This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Can you hear my heartbeat? Tired of feeling never enough. I close my eyes and tell myself that my dreams will come true. There'll be no more darkness when you believe in yourself. You are unstoppable. Where your destiny lies, dancing on the blade, you set my heart on fire. Don't stop that. The moment of truth We were born to make history We'll make it happen We'll turn it around Yes, we were born to make history Born to make history Born, born, born to make history Don't stop that now The moment Hello, you're listening to the Talk of Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. Today's episode is our first of four-part reviews for the fall 2016 anime season. And you can find us at talkofspirit.com. That's where our news, reviews, and coverage of new and old anime, as well as our wonderful community is. Up in the forum links at the top. Social media links on the right side, and all that good stuff. The season's concluding. My 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 my, my anime list app is dropping shows out of it like flies. Yeah. I think we're down to, like, what, five shows left to watch? I think so. And it's pretty much over. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so that uh, means... I think we've already seen one or two shows pop up at random. The new, new shows? Uh, yeah, the new Assassin Classroom. Uh, it's kind of outside the barrier, because that was tagged onto a movie, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. They got those chron- that Chronicles show, which is technically a, a split up of movies, which is going to be airing throughout the year. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, but yeah, this is our fall 2016 reviews. We're going to go through some titles here, tell you a little bit about the show itself, give our impressions on it. It's completely spoiler free. Uh, if you wanted more in depth spoiler talk, we did a spoiler review or spoiler talk thing uh, previous week, so you can check that out and get our full in depth discussion about different shows but uh yes yeah, is what we tell you about the show and and run through them so we're gonna start off with babunki bronki 2 the gentle giants galaxy and show by rock sharp uh, blood of Ors, izetta the last witch a magical girl raising project uh yuri on ice animated training xx and we're gonna finish off with kaiju girls of course so but yeah, let's kick things off with Bubuki Bronki 2, The Gentle Giants of the Galaxy. And of course, this is the second season of Bubuki Bronki, or BBKBRNK, which is uh, streaming on Crunchyroll, ran for 12 episodes, being done by Studio Sens again, and its source is an original. Genres are action, sci-fi, drama, and mecha. 
And if you would not watched the original season, it pretty much opened up the world itself as being this world that was full of people that had that wielded these bronchies. And there was these giants that were known as the no, they they wielded the bubukis. And there was these giants called bronchies. And whoever had the bubukis, they were different limbs or different parts of a gigantic bronchi that was powerful and I forget the name. Obo, Obo was the name of the Obo. one they had? Obo. What the main character had. And uh, they don't know where they came from. They just have this kind of mythos behind it that these these weapons that are part of the limbs were passed on through generations and they were always involved in wars in the background and it was kind of the case now where the main character, he's on this island they call Treasure Island with his parents and his sister and at some point things start going haywire and the mother sends them down to earth and pretty much deactivates all the hearts of these these gigantic bronchies uh, but some still kind of ravage the earth and you met uh Banru Ryoko who was this one girl who was uh controlling one of these bronchies and just fighting things it was Entei I believe his name was yep the Entei mecha thing and he was fighting off all these things alone and at some point Azuma joins up with a group of uh, people that he ends up companionshipping with who are all different limbs of this one mecha that he's able to be the heart of. And they fight against, at this at the first season, against uh, Banner Ryoko and uh, fighting over the, the hearts and who's going to be able to control things, whatever. Uh, in the second season, it kind of changes gears towards, uh, it's after the aftermath of the first season, and we meet up with the main characters again, but in this case, they go off to, I believe it's Taiwan, where they meet Guy, and all of Guy's pretty much, Guy's this one kind of business leader guy, and he has all these uh, Buranki users that kind of work under him. And they're discovering the desires of this company, and also kind of towards probably the middle half of this season, it starts going a real depth into where the Bronchies came from, uh, where are the origins of them, and what it kind of means for their future going forward. So, Miguel's past, bon, Bonrio's past. You got got pretty deep into a lot of a lot of heart users. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so yeah, it was a lot of a lot of ground laying for the the stuff that you didn't. Both the things that you didn't know that you wanted to know about and the stuff that you did actually want to know sitting about. Sitting and watching going, I don't want to know about this. <laughs> no, that, that was what's kind of cool about it because the, the first season, I really enjoyed it because of the action. It was it was just a fun show to watch them kind of battle it out. Uh, we had, you know, the, the, the pairings that we kind of established in the first season where it was like, here is Kogane and here is Shusaku and they are dueling each other and of course they have a history together and here is Kinoa and the weird guy with the sports outfit and their thing together and there's of course Azuma and Ryoko Banru and their thing together and so it was always it was pairing off all these characters and going against each other's and then towards the later part of that first season it started going into well here's all these other Baronki people with their own Bubuki weapons and their pairings and it didn't really make any sense why they were even introducing them but then it goes into this season where it's like, oh, okay, so they're all part of this one organization that Guy runs, and now we're getting into depth with the characters. We're getting into the past of uh, Asuma and, and Banru and why they're connected, and all this stuff is really developing with the characters. Then we're getting into the backstories of the 
tools that they're using, that's where it kind of just fleshes out the world. So it was like a, a very much needed uh, expansion of the world or, or fleshing out of the world that was really, really necessary that really made this entire two seasons into something. Yeah. I, I thought it was really well done. I had a lot of fun watching the entire show. I I I wouldn't say that it's like super highly recommended. It's just a solid fun show to watch. Yeah, I know there's the CG aspect, so take that into consideration because I do know that a lot of people are very against CG. But if you can get past CG, it's a lot of fun. Very much a lot of the characters are very what's the word? eccentric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, see, and when it comes to the, the visual style of it, this is probably one of the, my favorite uh, styles of the CG with the cell shaded look to it. Because most most CG anime is just like straight up CG and it looks very rounded. This one goes more of a flat cell shaded look to it. And I think if if Sanzigan keeps going with this, I would love to see whether shows they do it. I think I said that with our first season review was I would love to see what else Sanzigan can do with this style because... If if we're going further and further into the route of this, most companies wanting to go pretty much everything being CG, might as well go. I would rather something like this yeah. than something like Nice Sidonia. Even though I like Nice Sidonia's style for the serious nature of it, I'm not sure if I'd like Nice. Oh, I guess I would like Nice Sidonia with this style to it. It's got its own flavor, and I I, I appreciate. I, I think even with the second season, it seemed like they were doing even better with the stuff than they were with the first season. I thought that the for 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 what this this show was providing, I mean. They were very unique, very, very, you could tell this character is this. You, you, outside of the side random uh, soldiers, foot soldiers that they would toss in there, that was about the only time I ever seen a character that was like, okay, I've seen about 20 of you. Generic. But, but everybody else was very unique, very um, thought out, well thought out. Um, how they moved, for the most part, was not... Um, I, there was the occasional, okay, that looked a little robotic, but for the most part, it did feel natural. Well, something I enjoyed about the first season is that it did the action really well, too. It looked really Mm -hmm. cool. Now, I will say, it just, to me, it seemed like with the first season versus the second season, the second season, the the sound and impact of the the action scenes didn't seem as strong as the first season, because I remember specifically with the first season... The sound was just on cue. It was impactful, and it didn't seem like that was really the case the second season. I, I think that that was just a matter of just got, you got used to it at some point because I do remember at least a few scenes where it was like, okay. Plus, we probably weren't hitting it full blast with your sound bar like we well, were I last year. I tried a couple too. times. I tried a couple times, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I. The other things I got kind of hit here is. Uh, I, I kind of already mentioned the idea that it does does well in flesh. And I was like, I do agree with you. This is one of those shows that it, it was the same case with the first season. It was like, can we really highly recommend it? It's like, yeah, it's it's a it's a entertaining show. It's not going to hit everybody, but at the same time, I think it has some potential in there. Um, and I think, especially with the two seasons together, it becomes a full encompassing story that is very well fleshed out. The first season alone. Didn't really seem like that with the second season. It it fleshes out enough that it becomes a complete uh, story, which is really really cool to be able to recommend that in that case. But yeah, I, it is another one of those cases where it's going to be unheard of. It's going to probably disappear pretty quickly. It's just it was a cool show for the time, 
And I think even with the second season, they had a lot more, uh, uh, it got a lot more intense, a lot of more uh, dire situations. Uh, one of my warnings here is it gets pretty brutal at some point. You, get, you have uh, characters that are, you know, being executed, like that kind of stuff going on. That that's that's where it kind of gets really, really dark. And it didn't really, it didn't really uh, sugarcoat any of it really at all either. So it was, it was very brutal. It was very reality, and it kind of moved on from that situation. So it it does have some substance in there where it was. It is even though it does have this comedic beats in there, and I think a lot of the comedic beats sometimes doesn't bod well. I think the second season handled the comedic versus the serious moments better than the first season did. But it, it's still an issue there that might be a stumbling block for people. So, um, but yeah, overall, it's, it's, it was a, a solid show, and uh, can't highly recommend it. But it's if anything here sounds interesting, which probably most of it didn't sound interesting. If you've not seen anything on this, my explanation of it probably butchered it to hell because it's a hard thing to really explain with names like Bubuki and Baronkis. <laughs> uh, but give it a shot if any of that kind of sounds interesting to you. So I thought it was a lot of fun, and I I suggested. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see, let's move forward to Show by Rock Sharp, the second season of Show by Rock that Andrew was asking for over and over again. (laughs) Uh, Show by Rock Sharp, or the second season of Show by Rock, streamed on Crunchyroll. They're also doing a dub, I believe, uh, on Funimation. Uh, Then done by Studio Bones again, sources a game, which is a mobile game. Genres are music, comedy, and, uh, yeah, this one, if you didn't watch the first, this is another second season show that we're talking about, so I have to explain the first season. Uh, first season pretty much opened up with this girl named uh, Cyan, and Cyan was trying to go join her school band. Wow, you remember this far back? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she was looking to join a band, and she's kind of nervous to do that, and at some point, she's at home, and she's messing with an, an app, which would I assume would be the Show by Rock app, and it just sucks her into their her mobile phone and into this world that's called Midi, or this world of music to the city of Midi City, where all these uh, bands compete against each other to uh, become the best of the of the best. And once Cyan ri- arrives there, she uh, meets the people of the branded Rocking Records, joins the team of Plasmagica, and starts playing music. And at some point, there's this evil guy named Dagger, who is corrupting hearts and trying to steal all the the heart energy from people, something like that, and, and gain, like, world dominance or something like that. Uh, in the second season, uh, Cyan is back home, of course, from the ending of the first season, and she is pulled back into the world of Midi City because these people from the future say that there is somebody going to come across Midi City or the, the world whoa, 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 of music whoa, 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 whoa. and destroy everything. Isn't that technically spoiler? What's that? You revealed whether or not Cyan's heart got, or her, um, her... Music Stone didn't get corrupted. Well, it wouldn't have a second season if you didn't have Cyan. <laughs> Unless it opened up with her being, like, just fixed. Well, we fixed it because we needed a second season. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so yeah, she's there now, and she's reunited with the Plasmagicas, who, uh, of course, since the ending of the first season where Retri died, she's not there, but the rest of the Plasmagicas are there, besides Retri, which really heart- breaks my heart. That's not spoiler. I'm just joking. If they killed Retri, I'd be really upset because Retri is the best girl, even though Cyan's really close second. Anyways, it uh, pretty much reintroduced the characters. Uh, they said, of course, that there's this this evil something going to come to the planet. It's going to destroy it, so you need to stop it. And so it's back to regular shenanigans while they prepare for 
this glooming uh, case that's coming towards them. Uh, yeah, this is this is one of those rare cases where I say, careful what you wish for. And not not to say that I don't get the, like the complete heavy negative on that that I completely despise this show because I still enjoy this show. I still very much enjoy it. There's a lot of really good points throughout this season. Uh, it is really one of those cases where I came up off a really huge high off the first season. I loved it to death. Everything about it, every episode, I enjoyed fully. To this one where it was like, I'm constantly searching for that same love that I had for it. It has the same characters with adding some additional ones, but... Not, I guess not enough of the Plasmagicas, too much of the side stuff, and it wasn't as enjoyable of a season overall than I loved with the first season. Of course, that means that it's under something that is very, very high praise for me. I, I think I gave it really high praise when we first uh, reviewed the first season, but this one was just kind of... Like I said, I think it's more the case where it was just too much of the side stuff that I didn't really care too much about, if you follow me. Yeah, agree or disagree or uh yes and no. I I I if I was to say anything what I got out of it was just a lot of fun with the characters that I already love and then new characters and that's generally where I pretty much stood. The main story I don't think it really wrapped well. I is for lack of a better term, I I think that that was just okay, that that happened. Yeah, the the new character that they introduced because of it was interesting, but they didn't really dig in. Her main motivations didn't didn't really work too well for me, but that's fine. Um, I I just had a lot of fun with most of the other characters. I mean, Eileen was absolutely a wonderful character that came out. The main bad group that came out of the beginning that in, ended up being becoming a very interesting story. Um, so yeah, for for the most part, I still love the characters. I love what they were doing. Um, I don't think that there was enough Daru Daru, but you know, <laughs> no, it was it it was a lot of fun for for the most part. I but yeah, I can kind of agree that it didn't quite hit the same high that the first season did. I en- I enjoyed Eileen or Eileen. I enjoyed Daru Daru's little adventure. I enjoyed uh, the. The whole thing with the Criticristas kind of becoming more into the fold, if I'll just say that. Um, I even enjoyed the, you know, the later adversaries backstory. That was, that stuff was kind of cool. But the rest of it wasn't there. And I think I, I just kind of pinpoint it in my head, I believe, is with the first season, it was... Because at first when I was going to go to review this, I was like, I think it's because this one had too much focus on this dark stuff that was happening. And it's, that's not my show by rock. My show by rock is, is the fun, the, the, the drama within themselves and the, the sadness in it. And this one's more about this evil bad. No, technically the first season did have this daggers and all the stuff they were doing. But I think the thing that I end up pinpointing is with the first season, what they were doing with the adversary, it was, it was affecting the characters that you were following the main cast and it was their inner conflicts that end up coming out of the the dark adversariness that was caused in that season. With this one, it is literally going away from the cast. So it's like adversaries within to adversaries outside. And I think that's that, that disconnect that ends up happening that pulls the attention away from the main cast that I love so much. So I guess that's my thing. But like I said, there's there were still several beats in there. I, I especially loved 
Moa's uh, uh, going to Moa's planet. That was that was really fun. So there was there was still plenty in there. Just a little bit too much focus on things that I really didn't even care about, especially when it doesn't even involve the main cast that I love so much. All right. Um, I think that's pretty much everything I have on this one. Um, but yeah, that's show by rock sharp. Hope you guys enjoy that review. I was hoping there'd be a little more to talk about. And they didn't do what we were hoping at the very end with a certain particular character. Uh, 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 Oh yeah. That would have been really awesome. (laughs) I I, I thought you were talking about the, having somebody come back. So that would have been nice too. It's kind of surprising. They didn't come back. Uh, next one, blood of ores. Chris, tell me about Blood of Ors. What did you think about Blood of Ors? Never did get around to getting back to it. <laughs> oh, you never could find that round to it. Funny how that disappeared. Anyways, Blood of Ors. I'm, I'm still I'm still cursing myself that I haven't gotten a chance to go back to <laughs> to Cultic, Cultic Nine. Nine. Yeah, yeah, that was supposed to be on this reviews episode. <laughs> I don't know why I put it here because I was like, yeah, he was going to watch it. But anyways, Blood of Ors. This one streamed on Crunchyroll ran for twelve episodes. Uh, done by studio uh, creators and pack and Namu Animation, and it is based off of a web manga, which I believe is a Chinese web manga. Uh, the uh, or manhwa, isn't it called? Yeah, it's manhwa, so. some of that. Anyways, uh, genres are action, supernatural, and vampire. And as the vampire no, manhwa, thing, manhwa is like Chinese manhwa. manga, right? So it's, if it's a Chinese web manga, then I would, still would be a Chinese web manhwa. I don't know. If <laughs> no. it's just a web manga, it's probably not a manhwa. But if it's a Chinese manga, it's a manhwa. Very interesting discussion for something that's probably more interesting than <laughs> the show itself. Uh, but as the vampire genre would in, would uh, lead you to believe, this show takes place in a time where 60 years prior, insomnia had struck all mankind. And people that were street, depli- de- street sleep deprived went to madness. And at some point, they found a cure. But this cure happened to have a side effect and it made people into uh, blood craving people which I believe they called blood of wars um, but it basically follows Milu and his uh, his friends that you don't really know why they're friends at the beginning uh, but they're robbing a bank and running off with money and at some point they get arrested and they're told that when they were robbing that bank they killed everybody inside so they're going to be sentenced to death basically and as they're on their way to being basically put to death they their car their vehicle that they're in gets stopped hijacked and they all get killed and then they wake up <laughs> inside of a a big warehouse and they find out they realize they weren't actually killed they were just kind of put to sleep and it was made to look like they were killed to the public but now they're in some random location inside of a warehouse and there's these big gigantic creatures inside that want to kill them and they're very difficult to kill and some of these people, of course, they're all blood of wars that are in this fe- this particular warehouse, and they're all criminals that were charged for something, mostly unreasonably charged, not not or they're innocent people that were charged, uh, but don't really get into much of that. But anyways, but some of these people that are blood of wars can actually awaken and become hemomancers that have really really powerful abilities, and those are pretty much the only ones that can actually fight back against these these beasts that are attacking them. And over time, as they're kind of fleeing these monsters or fighting the monsters, they're kind of, over time, learning about the facility they're in, which doesn't really get very far, but the fact that it's some other time period, and that's about all they got into, and there's some people that are appearing in it that weren't actually within the first group, and more of them are awakening as hemomancers, and they're fighting each other, and 
they're trying to look for a way out at some point, and then the show ends. Ooh, did you get manga dumped? Yes! Aww. This is another Emon title where they just stop. That's Hitori no Shita, if you remember that one previous a uh, couple seasons back. Uh, I felt a little upset about the idea they were building up this character that was supposed to go to some big tournament, and then it stops. That's the same case here. It builds up that they're in this facility, they're trapped, things are attacking them, they're awakening, and then it just stops. Like, literally, I think in the, the final moments, this big, gigantic beast shows up, guy blasts through a hole through the middle of it, and then the show just ends. Good and they're all just standing there. They're all standing there, and they see this guy blast a hole, and it just ends right there. And yeah, it's really one of those cases where you're like, uh, is there... And they even had a next episode clip, and the show's over. Like, I, I could be wrong, and maybe all the listings that say 12 episodes is wrong, and they haven't popped another episode in there for some reason on Crunchyroll, and then maybe there's a 13 episode in Japan or something that's never brought over here, but so far I'm led to believe that the show basically ended on that, which would not surprise me, because like I said, it... it same thing happened with Hitori no Shita. Maybe they're going to try something new with the with the season s- s- setup. Maybe, maybe maybe uh winter of this year we'll have Himomancer 2 and the and fall of last next year will be um it'll be Hitori no Blood of Wars. <laughs> it's going to no they're going to mash them both together. <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to mash them together. But that maybe they're cool. going to try and do, you know, four different seasons or four seasons of four different shows type thing. It could be. Maybe. It could be. But as it stands now, in my review, not knowing any kind of further advancing of the story, this is all I can leave it as as I really can't recommend this show at all. Uh the other issue that the show comes across with is that it's just like with Hattori no Shita. It moves, but it looks really, really bad. Characters are horribly wonky. Uh, there's even this one period of time where this guy gets stabbed by a sword. And he just kind of walks around with the sword still in his chest coming out the back. And there's no blood. It's just this this handle's hanging there on his chest and it's wobbling around. <laughs> He's pretty it's, hardcore. Why are you bat? Why are you dissing the 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 show? I'm just saying it that, was probably. I'm just saying that it was pretty probably quick. <laughs> important to the story, it is and in- you're just bashing on it. Instantaneously clotted right in his chest. Just no blood at all. Okay. Just hanging okay. out. Okay. No scarring. They are technically vampires. Not bothered Amber. by it at all. They are technically vampires. This is like the most whiny character in the entire show, and he's not even bothered by this thing. This guy was whining <laughs> the entire show. But now that he's got a sword through his chest, he's like, I'm Chuck Norris. What up? <laughs> Anyways, uh, but yeah, it, the character's designs get wonky quite often. Uh, it does. Ha- it, this has the same issue that I had with Hattori Noshita. I appreciate this this production company, Iman, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this this group that is, is producing these because they create. They're making anime from really interesting stories. I am totally into the idea of this going further. Besides the fact that the how they're telling the story is really crappy, I, I just find the world fascinating if they could only execute it well. Same issue I had with Hattori Noshita. Fascinating world, didn't execute it well. So I like them for what they're doing, but not how they're pulling it off. So I would love to see something like this actually pull off to be something interesting. It just doesn't really succeed at that. The other issue I have with this series is the same issue I had with Hitori Noshita, in that it 
feels really, really slow. Like there, it's just, it's like they just add, they just double up every frame. So every look, every gander, every, every pause, every attack just has that extended period of time where you're just kind of going, okay, move on. Like, like, okay, you're, mo- you're looking too long or, okay, stop looking or stop, turn around, move on kind of thing. And it just, it constantly, I have this feeling of you're staying on frame too long. Move on, move on, move on. And that's the other issue I kind of have with this, this particular series. There are some good points in the show. Like I said, I was fascinated by the world. Um, I liked Milu and I liked Anji's, uh, the period of time that they were together. They had this period of time that they were alone together and the character development between the two of them, I felt really connected to. I liked their their chemistry. I liked what they were doing with those characters for this brief ter- period of time they were alone together. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Yaya. I enjoyed some of the abilities were really cool. I would love to see that kind of expanded on. Uh, some of them I think stuck around too long, like Lee Shin's uh, ability, I'll just say that. His whole period of time was a little bit too long. Again, they're sticking on things incredibly too long. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it, it, I didn't really get Win Chow's character. His character was kind of didn't make any sense. But I did care. I did like the brotherhood that kind of developed. You kind of find out the characters are all from an orphanage together, and that kind of brotherhood that they kind of established from that past was cool. Even though it continues to make Win Chow's character not make any sense. So it does have some things sprinkled throughout there, just like Hattori Noshita did. Just overall did not execute it well, didn't really go anywhere, and in the end it just kind of fumbles and falls apart. And I don't, I don't understand what's so confusing about him. He's right there. He has red hair. He has a green jacket. You know what? Wen Chao, he's not there no more. Just deleted him. And now, now I'm confused. Just, just forget just, him. You've just, just forget him. You just blown my my brain. And I also I also leave this whole review off with uh, this show loves to do the fake out death thing. So if you hate that, it does it a lot. <laughs> I think one character fake death like five times. So be aware of that. I'm not gonna say who, so you don't think it's a spoiler. But yeah, but yeah, that's Blood Force. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to enjoy it just like I wanted to enjoy Hitori Noshita. Just it just has too many flaws in there that I have to kind of point them out to people. And like I said, I can't really recommend it for those flaws. So, but if you, if, if any of that sounds interesting to you and you're okay with that not ending, go for it. But yeah. Let's move on to happy times. Is that to the last witch? That's happy. It's happy. Okay. Well, there were some sad times in there, but happy, <laughs> sh- happy to talk about the show. <laughs> a lot more happy it's to talk a, about that. Apparently, than this is the worstest show ever. Shimatsu. Didn't you hear? Yeah, I, I've heard it went downhill from episode four. Shimatsu no Izetta or Izetta the Last Witch. This one streamed on Crunchyroll, ran for 12 episodes. It was done by studio Ajay Do. Sources it original. And its genres are action, military, and historical. But yeah, this one takes place in pretty much an alternate history, 1939. Whereas Germania is invading all the neighboring countries in Europe. In 1940, they invade the principality of Estel Elistad, which is an Alps country. And this Elistad actually has a history of having this mythos of a white witch where they were in some kind of danger and this white witch had appeared and protected the country and saved the country. And then several, several years later, nobody believes there's witch anymore. But in actuality, there is this one last witch, which her name is Izetta. 
And as Fine is, the, of course, the princess of Elistad, as she's going around to neighboring countries to try to get support from them to help them protect Elistad from the Germanian invasion, Fine ends up stumbling across Izetta, who is currently being captured by a member of the Germanian army. His name is Beckerman. And Izetta wakes up and protects Fine and whisks her off back to Elistad. And you can find out that Fine actually met Izetta, who is this last witch. When she was a child, she was being attacked by villagers because she's a witch, and Fine had protected her. And ever since then, Izetta has always had a huge love for Fine, while at the same time, Fine has always loved Izetta because she had magic and she was a good friend of hers. But now we're in the future, and they're all grown up, and now Fine is, of course, the princess of this Elistad, and she's trying to protect it from the invading Germanian army. So Izetta, who, of course, is a childhood friend of Izetta, or Fine, and loves Fine, says, I want to help protect your country. Uh, let me do this for you. Of course, Fine doesn't want her to do it because it would put her in danger, but Izetta kind of just does it anyways. <laughs> so you basically have this war happening between these two countries, and this you have the... 1940s military type style happenings but at the same time you have this introduction of this witch who has magical powers and is taking out armies with really cool spells and that's pretty much your opening you want to start I'm... since i did blood force the whole time you can, you can give me a break <laughs> i this this i think i have a really hard time deciding if it was really as phenomenal as I have built it up in my head, or if it's really kind of more of a letdown, more and 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 please don't misunderstand. I had a lot of fun watching the show all the way through. I the towards the end, I was there was a couple of parts where I was like, "Oh, why do you have to do that?" But I got through them, and and it, overall, I felt like I was pretty satisfied with the show. Um, I think my main frustration with this show is more on the line of I don't feel like it ever really reached its full potential of what could have been done with this show, and and I don't know how to best describe it from there. Um, some of the some of the characters kind of just disappeared in the in to the wayside, and then randomly show up at the end, and we're like, okay, you're you're still important for whatever reason. I don't know why. And then there was other characters who just kind of never really made sense to to begin with, and it never really kind of explained them to the point where they were a viable explanation to why they were doing the things they were doing. Um, so overall, I'm really kind of mixed on how I feel about the show as a whole. I do like it. I th I can suggest it. I think it's a um, a especially uh, visual treat in a lot of cases. There's a lot of really neat things going on in the show, but I just don't think it ever really reached its full potential. All right. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I follow that. But uh, yeah, I think when I first, we did the first impression of this, I was like really high on it. I was just like, yes, this is great. I love it. It's got this kind of magic versus tanks, which is just epic. She's picking up tanks and throwing them. What's not to like about that? <laughs> Um, and I was really loving the idea that it had this kind of feeling of Izetta and Fine kind of being down the front lines. It felt very, not behind enemy lines, but felt like that. They were in they were in the fray, and it had that emotional impact. Fine was seeing what was happening on the battlefield. She was responding to it. She was trying to give encouragement to the troops. The troops were being encouraged by her presence. She was a strong character. At the same time, Izetta was cute. She was 
powerful. She was doing all this great stuff because of her love for Fine. Uh, the conflicts of, of caring for your friend versus your friend trying to help protect you and your country. That all was really, really strong. I think I said in the first impression that I was like, just please don't go back to the castle. I was like, if it goes back to the castle, I can see this going downhill really quickly. And sure enough, right after the first impressions, they get back to the castle. And it had some fun fluff in there because of that. They were back at home. They were comfortable. They were having fun. They were doing fluffy things. But that's where it kind of started struggling for me. I, I kind of agree with somebody when they said that it went downhill from episode four because I seen that kind of decline that was happening. I was re- I peaked really high with up to the episode four point and it came downhill from there. Not like a fall to death kind of downhill, but it was coming down. And I... That was really my struggle. I was like, okay, you had this great thing with it being on the front lines, and then you put Feeney back in the castle, and it became something completely different. Now, I did appreciate what they did from there. They did the whole propaganda thing, which I thought was really, really cool. It fit the kind of setting and the time frame. It it, it felt really historical document videos where these people are filming her pretty much flying around and going, she's really powerful, don't mess with this kind of thing, and that was really, really cool. I like that element. Outside of that was a lot of fluff that really didn't fit what was building up for me in the first few in the first uh, segment of the show. Now, after that point, I also was kind of dreading. Okay, what are they going to do with the big bad? How are they going to get this big bad? They were always kind of had this Beckerman guy who was really really smart, and they were building these super duper uh, these new planes and stuff. And I was going, okay, what are they going to make that's going to be the downfall and make this have a struggle towards the end. I made my predictions. They kind of used those predictions in different ways. So it was kind of uh, cool that even though it was obvious what they were going to do with certain characters, because you kind of, you telegraphic way back here saying this is their limits. You're obviously going to use those limits against the character. You're not going to, you're not going to put those roles into play and not utilize those roles. And they pull, they pull that card out, and I said, oh, be careful what you're doing there. And they explained the card, and I said, okay, that makes sense. I like that. I'll go with it. To an okay ending. It was it was definitely an ending they could have botched the heck, but they ended up doing something really cool with it. So I'm in the same boat. I was really high on it early, early on. I enjoyed it throughout. I never had an episode that I didn't enjoy. There was a lot of the action scenes were very, very intense. They were fun. They were... They were uh, edge-of-your-seat cool stuff happening on the screen. I liked the action scenes. Uh, it's just kind of the outside of the action scenes. There was a few points where it kind of lulled. But at the same time, there was a, also a few points where it was really, really strong. Uh, having that card finally come up, the kind of downfall of the of the of Izetta, and where they came from there was really cool. They had that whole scene where you have the people that Izetta has been protecting come back and protect her. I always love that kind of stuff, and they pulled that off really well. So yeah, it it had its lulling point, but I think it still had plenty in there to make it a good show. It's not gonna it's not gonna be a great show like it could have been, and I definitely agree with you. It had potential there of being something really fantastic, uh, but what they had and what they did with it, I still think it's a good show. I don't think it's a oh well you blundered so it's 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 thrown out the door like some people would say. It's something that still ended up being something cool. So. I have a lot of parallels with the show with uh, Cabinary in my mind. The the reception of it. I had the same reception with Cabinary of Iron Forces that I did with with uh, Izetta that I seen. And it was this idea that everybody was kind of high on at the beginning. 
Uh, of course, you have the naysayers. I, don't, I think you had less naysayers with the Zeta because it wasn't as high profile being with, with Studio Original and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't as highly advertised. But it had the same issue where people kind of lost interest in it over time or they started kind of poo-pooing over time. And it's something where it's like, I don't think it's that bad. Like, you, you're you're literally throwing it out the window because it's not doing, it's not high-octane the entire time. It's kind of hard to believe of them being able to pull that off all the time with, with shows, so. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much, I think we're pretty much on the same page, just, yeah. It's a lot of mixed feelings with it, but <laughs> it's still, it's still pulled off something cool, so. And I, I, like I said, I just, I was eating up this alternate history kind of stuff. I think that kind of stuff is just really, really cool, especially dealing with something like Germania, uh, being an anime from Japan is kind of interesting that they would even touch on that well, kind of stuff. So. And, it, and it's, and it's funny because one of the, and it's, it's so hard to really kind of explain it without spoiling it. And the, my biggest frustration is I, I think that they did really well in in sewing up the ending, and I'm hearing a lot of bad things about the ending. Well, why why is it so bad that a certain particular character survived, or a certain thing happened that takes magic out of the world? Why are those particular things bad? Why are those things bad for the explanation of the ending? No, I I, th- I think every everything that it pretty much put into play when it started showing its cards for the later part of the show was all well telegraphed. It was all well kind of fitting in the world that itself. I mean, everything we were, was in the rules of it of it of its confine that it kind of developed, and I think it it fit perfectly. I mean, we were we were calling the the ending per se all the way at the beginning and. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise that they technically didn't do what we were expecting at the end, you know. So I, I don't think that it was necessarily a bad, bad ending. Yeah, but that's that's me. And I'll, I'll have to say that the uh, the chick that works on her, Bianca, the the sniper chick, I dig her. She was awesome. That shot was pretty awesome. Which one? The sniper chick. She took the, she took the shot. Ah. She had to look the look the thing first and pop. It's cool. I liked it. It was a cool shot. Anywho, let's, I guess we should move on. That was uh, to the Last Witch. And uh, <laughs> now you can say we're going to torture territory, Chris. Magical Core Raising Project or Mahou Shoujo Ikusai Kaikaku. This one was streaming on Crunchyroll and for 12 episodes, being done by Studio Lursh. And it was based off a light novel that has nine volumes ongoing. And these genres are action, supernatural, thriller, fantasy, and self-torture. I, I think that genre was... was I, did I read that wrong? Self-torture? I'm pretty sure. Something like that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this Why was, is there 15? I don't get the 15. What 15? Somebody's missing. There should be 16. Or do you got another line? Ah! <laughs> you tricked me. It's only something I can feel You sly. Do I, do I need to zoom out so you can see Hardcore Alice, who is very important Hardcore characters? Alice. Yeah. I, I and Winter Prism? Winter Prism probably isn't necessary. Magical, you could switch Magical. Don't be mad Winter with, Prism. I, well, I, no, I, forget, I forgot about Winter Prism, to tell you the truth. I, I, I associated her with Sister Nana and, you know. 
you gotcha. make that connection and yeah. that's all you need. Okay, yeah, I gotcha. Directed by Hiroyuki Hashimoto, who, of course, directed Is the Order a Rabbit, so that's kind of fitting for these nice, cute characters in this magical girl-raising project show with does cute, make a fluffy bit characters. Uh, but this show follows uh, Koyuki, who is uh, just a regular school girl. And at some point, she gets an app and she starts playing the app. And the app is pretty much a, it's called Magical Girl Raising Project, I believe. And she's playing the app and it's fighting monsters. And at some point, this this thing called Fav just pops out of the phone and says, you are been chosen. You have all the credentials needed to be a magical girl. Pawn. Yes, it says pawn at the end. Sorry. <laughs> and basically, she says, okay, that that sounds cool. Let me, let's, let's see if this actually works. And she becomes a magical girl. And so she jumps outside, she starts running around and realizes about she's actually a magical girl, and it's kind of surprising. Um, and then she, of course, meets the rest of the magical girls that are within this magical raising project, and there's 16 other, or, well, 15 other girls that are all magical girls, and they all basically do good to gain candies, to gain credit on this leaderboard, and quickly, Kyoki, uh, Koyuki, who is then named Snow White... She becomes pretty much the lead in it because she has the ability to read the minds of those that are in danger. So she's able to find people in danger and help them quickly. And, of course, every other one of these magical girls have their own powers. Um, but at some point, Fav pops up and says, well, that was fun. But, hey, the magic is kind of running out because there's too many magical girls pawn. So I need you to, like, cut it down to, like, maybe half. So we only need about eight of you. So we're going to have whoever gains the most candies will then be able to continue to be Magic Girls. And anybody who is not, or over, basically every week, the one with the least amount of candies is going to get vetoed out. And you're not going to be a Magic Girl anymore. Pun. <laughs> so... Uh, at first, it's kind of like this thing of everybody kind of going, okay, well, I don't really, I, I kind of want to still be a magical girl, so I'm going to go gain candies, and we'll, we'll let that be it. But over time, they kind of realize that uh, lose, not becoming a magical girl anymore, or the the fight to be still a magical girl kind of turns a little bit bloody. And that's kind of the, the gist of things, is that it's no longer fun and rosy peachy is the order a rabbit cute girls doing cafe thing it's now girls fighting and killing each other while this thing goes you need more candies pawn <laughs> more candies pawn yeah this one i it definitely has its hooks in you right off the bat because it kind of gets really really dark really really quickly and i think that's really the flavor of the show itself if you're looking for something that is if you're not looking for something that is gory uh very brutal very gruesome uh, very tragic. Uh, stay away from the show because it doesn't really hold back. There's a lot of situations where even when you think that it's going to get its worst, it definitely gets worse. I think a particular one that we can both agree on kind of was like, okay, well, that's a little bit too far kind of moment. Mm -hmm. uh, and it keeps doing that. So be aware of that coming into it. That is something you're kind of avoiding. That's probably not a show for you. Uh, but yeah, this one was a... I was mixed on this one. Early on, I was pretty high on it because I enjoyed the character introductions. I liked that it had this element that even though it was magical girl symptoms, like this is a magical girl, here's all these magical girls, it has this element of breaking the the norms of magical girls. Like the the, the earliest one you kind of realize is that one of them is not technically a girl. It's a guy. And, but he came a magical girl, literally a magical girl, 
And then you have characters that are older or younger becoming magical girls, and they don't really have the representation of their true self. So they actually look different than what they are. Because, of course, the boy is, doesn't look like the magical girl because it's a magical girl. <laughs> I like that element kind of thrown in there. It was also breaking a lot of the molds of the mechanics of the magical girl and that there is the abilities they have, uh, the different types of magical girl that they have. These aren't all just way wand arounds. There's one that has, you know, shurikens and she can throw and hit things. And whatever. No matter what she wants to hit, it hits it. Uh, one with a gigantic sword that gets bigger and bigger. Uh, one that can go into dreams. One that flies around on a, a broom. <laughs> One that has a, a staff, and and I, I guess I can't really say what that one is because it's kind of spoilery. Uh, but all these ones with different abilities that are kind of really interesting, and learning about those abilities, learning how they end up using that to stay on the top was all really, really cool. I think my only issue that I really had in the show was that at some point, it felt very death of the day, and it was telegraphing those deaths. It was, it was literally the episodes opening with the backstory of the character that is going to die yeah. right after that backstory ends. And that overly telegraphed, like literally stabbing the flag in the forehead of the character to kill them was kind of what was ruining it for me. It felt very a comic got kill for me. I had total flashbacks of that, which I'd never ever want to in my entire life, but I was having that feeling. But still, even when I was feeling a little fatigued by that, it was still crushing me. I was still involved with the characters. I still wanted the characters to succeed. And Except it was for still one or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was still shock me and it was still surprise me what they were doing with the characters, either by uh, their abilities, uh, something they were pulling off, the underdog getting an upper hand, that kind of stuff was still really, really cool. But there was still, even when I came I came out of that, and I still really enjoyed what the show was doing, I still had one stain. It was one, I won't say exactly who it is or why, it's just one character in the show. I understood the character, and if you want my full rant, I think I rant about it on our, on our spoiler cast. That one character kind of ruined the show for me. I didn't like that character. It was a character that was, yes, explained, but at the same time... Uh, was just kind of ruining the show for me. I, I can't really say exactly why without being spoilery. It's just that character was ruining the show for me, and I did not want that character to be in the show anymore. So, yeah, there's that one big stain, and that stain kind of <laughs> persists for a long time in the show. So, yeah. But I still enjoyed it. I, I think in the end, it's still a really cool show. It's a shocking show. It's a very gory show. It's a show I don't want to admit that I enjoy to some people, but... <laughs> It was still enjoyable, and I liked the character designs. I liked the abilities and all that kind of stuff in it. That was important. yeah. I agree. the The ability or the the designs is phenomenal. I I think that if I came away with nothing else, I think I had a very very diverse, unique cast that came out of this show. I love the abilities. I think that some of the fleshing out of the abilities was absolutely fascinating. I think that of all the things that were kind of just missed out on it was that they could just expand on this and i hope of all hopes that they do go ahead and expand into multiple seasons i don't think it has to be as uh dark as the first <laughs> it's gonna season, be as dark <laughs> the, i know right i think, I think you pretty much established that <laughs> one of the cool things that came out of this is this is another one of those in my list of Unique, the uniqueness of the dark magical girl is something that is very hard to 
to explain. And I think that this is another one of those that kind of just explores a different element of what can go in a a magical girl where the rules aren't exactly something that we have to follow. We can go and just do what we want. And this is one of those excellent examples of a, a kind of a merge between kind of the, uh, what did we say? Uh, Battle Royale and Magical Girls. What yeah. can we do if we merge those two and, and actually kind of have fun with it? I, I, I would think say the theme well. would probably be uh, just fight for survival. I think that's really the big theme of it is like self-preservation, I think, is, mm -hmm. a, is a key thing there. But I, yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's, a lot of it is getting established the rules, but breaking the rules, bending around the rules is definitely a huge key thing in there. Right. Which is a heavy thing and why I believe that is a very cleverly written show throughout most of the show. It, it it is. It I I I really like the characters. I like the the exploration of that that particular aspect. I do I do agree with Andrew. I think that at some point it did feel like it got more and more dark, and it was like, okay, you guys have got to just slow down on this a little <laughs> bit, and 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 just and and then I got this kind of little cool little thing pop out of nowhere that I wasn't expecting, and it was like, wow, okay, that was cool, and then they just destroyed me. So it was it. It was kind of this balance between happy and 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 dark, and it was like, okay, I, oh, I you're pushed cute. It. <laughs> oh, the blood doesn't come out there. Oh no, you're just adorable. I want to pinch your cheeks. Well, you don't have cheeks no more. No, that's bad. So so yeah, for for some of us who, I can't say that it's. It's too dark because I was able to get through it, but at the same time, I do think that it was really, <laughs> really like, pushing that, that pushing that edge for me. I think it's just really a case of when you, if you can have something that that keeps you happy throughout that, <laughs> that you will overlook things because this is probably one of the most gory shows besides Higurashi that I've ever watched. This it, is this is was, way it, worse it was, than was, than Fortune uh, Marking. <laughs> Way worse than Schwarzenegger. That's Markin. true. <laughs> so it's just the fact that it is does does it has a great cast. It has an interesting cast, and even the ca even the character, like I mentioned, that one character that I hated and I did not, and that, that kind of ruined the show for me. Even that character, if I break down what makes that character, that character is a fascinating story. I truly do think that char every character was fascinating in their own regard, and it's it's really cool that you could have. 16 girls all have, you know, something behind them that would take probably at least a paragraph to explain who they are and why they are the way they are. What are they what's what's their Very actual unique. self? How they're different from their actual magical girl? What their abilities are and how those abilities are used cleverly. Each one of them I can write a, a pretty good page on. <laughs> of each character had very unique motivations and that's Something that is very well, okay. Maybe the twins were kind of outside of that, but I didn't like the twins anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> we're not supposed to name names on that. <laughs> but yeah, the characters and and this is this is something that is very interesting if you stop and think about it. I mean, Magical Roid was money driven. Um, Calamity Mary was driven to go and get power. I mean, as you go through each one of the characters, they have very unique motivations, which... Nimarin wants to sleep. She wants to sleep. <laughs> Excellent character. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely give it credit for all that kind of... I, I definitely agree on the idea of I love seeing a different tape on them. Every time we do a Magical Girl, it's always a, oh, it's a Magical Girl. Usually with the Dark Magical Girl, it allows people to accept it more than just a regular Magical Girl. Uh, you'll eventually get our review of Matui the Sacred Slayer, which is the other Magical Girl in this season. Well, there was technically, what, three, because it was also Moe Descada. But yeah, with Matui... Did that turn dark? No, it was kind yeah, of. I know it, it was, was balancing pretty well. It's not a fluffy one, but it's not dark. Okay. And it, I. But my thing, my point is that with every magical girl, even with like uh, that one that we seen a couple seasons ago, that was just straight up, uh, did a lot of. Uh, it was a comedy one. That one had its own thing. Each magical girl, I like when they have their own different take. With Matui the Sacred Slayer, even that one has its own take on a magical girl. It's got its own themes, and that's a really important thing. Even with the dark magical girl, it, yeah, is, oh, well, it's not dark because it just has gore. Yeah, that's technically a good part of it. It's that it's exploring darker sides of it, and this one does its own, has its own direction for that darker side of it. So, I, def- I definitely recommend it if you're okay with the gore, the death, the tragedy pretty much behind uh, what's kind of going on with these girls, so... Just keep that in mind. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. All right. I think that was a pretty pretty awesome little review there. Yeah. And again, if you want to hear more in-depth talk about this stuff, go to our, our review or our, uh, our spoiler cast. We get pretty in-depth on a lot of things. So, yeah. There you go. That's uh, Magical Girl Raising Project. Our next one we have is Yuri on Ice, which is our last full show. Yuri on Ice. This one is a 12-episode series that uh, streamed on Crunchyroll. And it does seem like they have teased a second season. I haven't really seen a confirmation. Just kind of had to see next level at the end of the, the show. So it kind of hits that more, more to come. Uh, this was done by Studio Mappa, which we really, really like. Uh, Source is an original. His genres are comedy sports. And the interesting in the team itself is director Sayo Hamamoto. She did Lupin Third, the woman called Fujiki Mine, and Michiko and Hachin, of course. But yeah, this one follows Yuri, who had just pretty much failed miserably in the Grand Prix final uh, the previous year. And he went back home. As he's home, he's kind of trying to, I guess, mope. <laughs> and at some point, everybody kind of encouraged him to kind of get back into shape. And he, some point, he goes to his local ring and skates a little bit to uh, show off to a girl that he pretty much memorized the routine of his biggest, biggest idol skater, which his name is Victor. And as he's doing the routine, uh, one of this girl's uh, children decided to uh, film it and put it up on Nico Nico or YouTube or something like that. And uh, this person that he admires so much, Victor, he actually ends up seeing that video and becomes inspired to run down to Japan, go to Yuri and tell him that he's going to... uh, you know, train him. He's going to not go into skating next year. He's going to retire and, and be Yuri's coach. Much to the dismay of, uh, Yuria, who is also another person who kind of looks up or is rivaled against Victor. And, uh, his name is actually Yuri Flinsky or something like that. They both have Yuri name, but they call him Yurio. So I call him, I'm going to call him Yurio from now on. So Yuri comes down there and he says, I want you to be my coach. And so Victor pretty much makes them compete against who's going to become, uh, who he's going to coach going forward. And it goes on there from there to the Grand Prix final as Yuri tries to uh, win and get a gold medal. 
Uh, yeah, this show I was really, really hyped on coming into it. I I thought it was uh, really well put together. I think these I thought these skating routines were fantastic. It had a lot of emotion kind of built into the characters, a lot of great character moments. And I think one of the cooler things of this series throughout of the entire running of it was that it does really well in kind of mixing main or real culture with the show itself. I, I a lot of it completely missed me of course but looking into it's kind of fascinating learning about how i think it was the thailand uh, skaters skating to a song that's banned from his 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 home or how one skater looks pretty much similar to a real life skater uh seeing uh the cultural nods they were kind of doing back and forth between the show and the real world of skating was really really cool even though most of it I completely miss because I don't keep track of skating and all that kind of stuff. It's fascinating to learn about. Um, but outside of that, I think at some point, I want to say it was probably when the the Grand Prix like started kicking off and it really started ramping up the Grand Prix. Um, I still I would say earlier than that. Oh, for me, <laughs> it it really taking off into the Grand Prix itself, or really just kind of leaving when he left Japan. I'll just say that yeah. when he leaves Japan, it starts kicking up the competitions themselves. That's where the show kind of started losing me. I still enjoyed the performances. The performances were amazing. I think that the animation for those are as good as I think I, I, I'd ever expect like seeing an animator animate, not CG, animate a figure skater a routine is just amazing granted i will say it's not the best animation not the most fluid animation a lot of it feels very it jumps around but i can still appreciate what they were able to pull off of that that is not a easy feat in no way shape or form so it's like even though i do acknowledge the idea that it's not the most smooth and fantastic anime. It's not Disney or anything. At the same time, I also acknowledge that it is a very huge feat for them to pull off. I think MAPPA constantly surprises me. Every time it does a new show, it does new things. It does new genres. It does new themes. This one was another case of them pulling off something cool. The music on cue with it was fantastic. The performances were great. It's just outside of that, I lost control the characters i lost most care for any of the characters in the show the main cast became very repetitive in their development the side i had more enjoyment out of the side characters i like i enjoyed uh j jj i enjoyed jj came out of nowhere (laughs) so it's like the it's it's and even yurio i liked yurio more than yuri i liked his story i thought it was more fascinating to watch him struggle and come up to the 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 front watching jj and his struggle to be anything or his struggles towards later parts was more fascinating than really most the entire cast it's just really a case of there's it got too lost in the performances there was not enough time to really get anything out of the characters. Very little di- uh, well, development out of the characters. You have a very, very large cast. I mean, yes. and you're trying to focus a little bit of time on everybody, and you do, you end up in the long run hurting the um, the kind of main cast per se is, and and that's that's kind of the the so only little itty bitty bits that that 
like JJ, the main reason is they tied his kind of story in with his performance. So you kind of have this moment where he kind of, he has something he's, he's pushing for and he stumbles. And in that stumbling, you kind of naturally have this urge to want to cheer for him as all the rest of the crowd is cheering for him. So his story was tied into his performance. Yeah, that's per se. Really was, that was really the case for all the characters except for, well, yeah, Yuri and Yurio do have that in their performance as well. I, I guess that's really the thing is all of their character stories are in their performances. And when you have that large cast and their performances well, are their only time of development, you don't really have much time with each of them. Well, it, but some of their stories didn't quite work. Like Georgie, Georgie didn't work. I, it was a comedic. Beat. It you was, know that funny. was a comedic thing. Um, I like Chris's story to a point. I don't think his was one of the better ones. But at the same time, your stories, you have such a diverse cast. So what do you what do you have to rely on? The performances. The performances were the biggest part of the part of the show. While I loved the performances, I thought the performances looked gorgeous. I, I there's very very many times where I was brought to tears by by a couple of the 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 performances, but the stories the the characters themselves they kind of got lost in the ensemble, and I hate to say that, but it is the truth. The first few episodes for Yuri and and Victor were wonderful. I especially with Yurio thrown into the mix. You have those three characters that kind of bounced off of each other. Um, but towards the latter part, Yuri, uh, Yuri and, and, and Victor kind of just got lost. Um, and other characters start coming in. So you had to up the stakes. And this is kind of where I'm going to end up probably making a few people mad. I, and I hate to say this. I think that a lot of people got swept up in the raising of the stakes. I don't think as much happened in this show that I haven't seen in a lot of other BL shows, and I hate to say that, but this show didn't quite do as much as people are kind of making it into, and I hate to say that, um, because I think that this show has some really, really neat things in here. I do think that there is some really... It was kind of one of the better told relationship stories, but not but not a really good one. And I hate to say it that way. Well, that, that was my, that was a lot of my issue with it was like, I, I just seen people kind of jump on everything that was happening. It's like, no, I, I've seen this before. This is now I will give credit that this is like one of the very only, if you want to call it that BL shows that I actually wanted to sit all the way through. Uh, but at the same time, it was like the fandom behind it, I think ruined the show for me. And I, I really hate to say that. I, I was telling Chris, I'm like, I, I think the only reason I'm not looking forward to this review is the main fact that I have to say the fandom and hype behind this show may have ruined it for me. I There wasn't a single week that went by where I didn't get pretty much the entire episode on my Twitter feed as I was swiping through it. Literally so many screenshots of everything that happens every episode that it almost looks like it was playing as I was scrolling through my feed. Like it was like a really old, uh, you know, one of those little animation flap things you can rotate and it shows you an animation that you would see at like Disneyland or something like that. I was literally seeing everything that happened in the episode before I even get a chance to watch it. And that fandom kind of ruined it for me. But it was also a thing of people making things 
more than what they were, and that was really a difficulty as well. Well, I mean, I mean, literally, I, I, ki- I kid you not, the the quote unquote kiss episode. I kid you not, both me and Andrew watched that scene, and we both knew all we were going to hear about for the next <laughs> week was how that kiss happened, and literally, that's what happened. That was not a kiss. They did not even acknowledge it as a kiss. Yeah, if you've watched enough anime, you know that they love to acknowledge that a kiss happens for like two episodes straight. Exactly, <laughs> and 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 yet the entire fandom blew up over. And this I'm fine with that scene. being a thing if I that's yeah. really what happens. I am all for that, but don't make it out to be something that is not, and don't make out character development that's not really. And maybe I'm missing it, but I just I did not see. A relationship building between these two characters. It didn't feel like anything was developing. Yeah, I see the the admiration that Yuri has for Victor, and I see the uh, the the like for Yuri and how he aspires now, now, and his strength and his his determination. But I just don't see like let's get into these characters and let them do something that is significant between each other. There's nothing they're, really they're, there. They're, it was just really a a coach and a and a uh, and a and a kohai, what do you want to call it, uh, relationship? Well, there there definitely was a flirtation between the two of them. I'm not going yeah, to definitely. deny that. Um, they, and, and I do think that it was probably one of the more natural. Um, I, I mean, I, I even, at some point, I got so frustrated, I, I pointed out to Andrew, I think my biggest frustration with their, their, their relationship is... As a natural relationship, they're fine. I I do think that they, they're they're kind of flirtation. I mean, I got I get a kick out of towards the end where he's talking about, um, the give me a gold so that I can give you a kiss or something like that. I got a kick out of that. I, it was a it was a nice, interesting, fun relationship between the two of them. But at the same time, um, to push it past that and and make it into something it's not. That's where you're 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 trying to shove a, a a shipping into the story that's not actually there, and I, so, I think that my frustration was more, and, and I had mentioned it to Andrew is, I they don't make a good top bottom relationship, and yet it seems like, the the author is kind of stuck in this kind of explaining a natural relationship but and and still kind of forcing the top bottom uh relationship in there and it doesn't need one they're they're very natural by themselves in exploring their own um their own relationship and i think that's completely fine to do i mean i think yurio as is is kind of the perfect example of how that relationship um, it works well because Yurio is on the side and every time Victor would look at him, Yuri would naturally say, hey, you're supposed to be watching me, not him. And that kind of came out of the, the story in a natural way. And I like that. I liked how natural that felt. And I, I appreciate that it, even though I had that feeling of this is just the standard uh, I, I call it yaoi baiting. Chris will correct me that he's, it's BL baiting, but I've always called it yaoi baiting, and that's the idea of no yaoi bait is is the not the right term. BL is where they are. They never actually got into yaoi level. Okay, but the the idea of boy love uh, or boy relationship, um, and I, I've always I've I term it as yaoi love or yaoi baiting because I I term yuri baiting. It's this idea of yeah, when you're watching a show like let's say. Uh, 
was that one here recently the the one with this the scuba diving girls uh i guess it's not a really good example uh flip flap or something like that where it's these two girls and they get a little bit too close at some point or they touch each other in a certain way and and, well, and people think the same thing uh, with the- soundophonium that I think that had a lot of Yuri baiting, and I don't think they really had that really going for it with certain characters having a relationship. It was really there to, you know, titillate people, to, to give them, oh, that might actually happen. And it's never really followed through with. It's not really the goal of the writer that I see overall that the direction that they're going to go. It's just something to give them, the people, something to to make fan art out of. And this is really a case where I thought that was going to be what they're doing here. I feel that they they pushed it, that they went somewhere with this relationship. But at the same time, there was still an element of that being something they're kind of teasing people with. That there's constantly this element of a character not really seeing things a certain way that you might see them. Unless this may be in this translation or maybe that they're going to have something later on, which I said they are teasing a second season. It's just, yeah, I guess we've 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 dug on this way too over, much over probably let it, over let go at this point ourselves <laughs> but yeah i like i said i i appreciate a lot of the characters like i i enjoyed yurio's story i i think i was rooting for him more than anything else i had some really very imp- powerful performance moments i enjoyed a lot of the performance they were going through uh i do have to admit that while i did say that it has great animation it's great what they're doing and there's some struggle in the kind of framing of that I do also see that a lot of the animation and performances were technically repeated animation sequences. A lot of it was reused assets, and that did kind of bring it down for me as well. And when I realized at some point, yeah, uh, performance, uh, these are routines. They're supposed to do the same thing over and over again. They do change it up with different jumps or whatever. But I also see that that is also an excuse for them to basically have the same animation happening every episode as they do the same performances over and over again. And they don't really change it up by adding a different angle or the only thing they really change it up with is every now and then between those segments, they'll have them stumble or they'll miss a jump. But other than that, it's really the same thing over and over again. When I realized that unless they had some really good dialogue happening or inner monologue happening, it just it was like, okay, yeah, I, I've seen this already. I really don't want to see this again and again and again and again. I mean, we see, we've seen Yuri do Agape probably, what, ten times? <laughs> well, he was changing the, the, the jumps. The that jumps. was really the only thing that was changing. But other than that, it was the same performance. So, again, I understand why it's the same performance. It's a routine. And that's, that's what Victor made for Yuri. That's what the whole point of the whole thing of coaching him and giving him a routine I just see that it's like you do realize that they're not really putting much in the show when they're they they put a lot into it front loaded because they had to animate all that stuff. But after a while, it's like they probably sit back going, oh, so great. I only have to do one and one jump this episode. The rest is going to be the same faces looking into the ring because <laughs> nobody talks. They're all just looking. And so it's just a bunch of stills of people's faces and then the, the same routine played again. I feel so negative right now. I'm sorry. I appreciate what they did. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but yeah, but I, like I said, overall, I was really hot on it coming in. I think some of the performances were great. I just think it kind of just petered away after a while when the characters kind of just, it did, they didn't have enough going for them and there was not enough time for all of them. Um, but I still appreciate what they put into it. I appreciate the nods that they did throughout the entire show. Some of the nods I could care less about, like South Park nods. 
<laughs> but there's other ones that I appreciate, like nods to actual real skaters, uh, and them acknowledging it as well is is pretty cool. But yeah, I definitely recommend it if any of that sounds interesting. Well, yeah, to you I think it's because great... it is a solid show. <laughs> that that's actually a very true. I think that it's a very recommendable show. I think that the fandom in itself is an example of why this show should probably be watched. Otherwise, people wouldn't be going nuts just because. We've seen something slightly different doesn't mean that it's necessarily not a good show. It was a great show. I think that, like I said earlier, the the, the relationship was very natural and, and worked very well for me. I just think that it got turned into something it wasn't. And if you need an example, The Rings. <laughs> uh, I think yes, there was, symbolism, it, there was symbolism in The Rings. However, remember... The rings are on the wrong hands, guys. Come on, think about that. There's also like everything that Yuri said <laughs> before and afterwards that leads you to believe that that wasn't really the intention. But that's that that's that silly. You could just chop it up as silly ignorance on his part. It's cute like that. He's cute like that. He's just adorable. <laughs> Anyways, that was uh, Yuri on ice. Hopefully, nobody in that gigantic fandom that pretty much almost ruined the show for me does not despise us now so uh, let's move on to animated training xx which was like fantastic no <laughs> and, and a tori xx was streaming on crunchyroll around for 12 episodes uh was done by studio rising force was you it didn't based add, off you didn't add our new character to the list apparently Every site I went to doesn't think she's important enough to even put a picture up for her, so I couldn't <gasps> have a picture to use. How horrible. Uh, but yeah, Poor this is baby. an original. It's a comedy sports show. It's a short, probably, what, three or four minutes long each? But yeah. Yeah, it was seven minutes, I think, actually. <laughs> this is a continuation from the first season of Anatory EX, and it's just basically more of the same. This is a show that is a short that will give you a cute girl doing exercises and routines and then you'll hate yourself for not joining her <laughs> yes as you're sitting there going man that's a fantastic workout routine i'm so scratch fat. your belly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just more of the same uh if you if you if you like the original series or if you're looking for cute girls that will show you little exercise routines that you could possibly to work your core and stuff do yourself it is definitely in that realm to kind of give you, I guess, inspiration to do things, I guess. I, I got inspired a couple times to try a couple of things that we're doing. Some of the things were kind of seem pointless, but that's the whole point is to show you some little cool things. Uh, the two things I would say that they kind of added to the season was one, a lot more of the etchy finish moments where they get all excited at the very end and you know what they're going for there. So be aware that it, it is technically suggestive in certain regards. Um, they added a new character to the cast, which she was kind of cute. And, uh, and they had a whole harem ending to it, which was kind of a surprise. Because <laughs> most of the show is kind of made out to a first-person perspective. You're basically playing the role as somebody that is in the room with them as they do an exercise routine. They're telling you about it, or you're helping them pull it off. And with this one towards the end, it kind of does this whole thing where they're all kind of going thank you for helping me get my target goal or thank you for helping me make these sweets. I want to, and they were all kind of doing the whole thing where they're wanting to go out with the character. 
And uh, that was kind of a funny thing at the end there because we were all like, "This is not going to end well." And they kind of what are you did. talking about? I'm I'm part of her guard and the other girls um, going to turn the world dark with me. He's all like taking all the characters and he's like, it, "Get this, get the Sundae girl already." And I'm like, "What the? What are you talking about? Why, why are we like divvying them out or something like that?" And he's like, "Have your Genki girl." I'm like, "All right, cool. I'll have a Sabi, I guess." I don't know. Where, I didn't know we were divvying them out or anything. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just a cute show. It is very pointless unless you're looking for cute girls doing cute things or want to see some kind of here's some exercise routines. Other than that, it's just really if if that's what you're looking for, it's short. Give it a shot if you want to, kind of thing. But I'm not gonna say go out of your way or anything for it. Yeah, it's it not like it's solving math or or saving the world or curing cancer it's not or saving anime. It's not okay. I got that too. I guess that was the simpler <laughs> way of putting it, not curing cancer. But uh, it could, I guess. I don't know. Maybe inspire somebody. You never know the butterfly effect, people. Uh, but yeah, that's anime, we lose anime. all other anime except for this one. <laughs> It's like next season is animated training XXX and it's nothing but that show that next season. Like all the other shows it's got canceled. Like, okay, maybe I should Shogun get, Roku, maybe, maybe you're I done. Should... Konosuba 2 canceled. All, all it's it's basically they're going to put full efforts into a show that's going to be 24 hours long each episode every day. And you're going to watch nothing but that. Shohi Yoshida shows up at our door with a special eye attachment for your PS4 and says, mm-hmm. "You will do this." With yep. animated terrain. Yep, yep, yep. I can see it coming. And, uh, and, and, uh, Hayao Miyazaki's gonna say, anime was a good idea. <laughs> this is great. This is great. No, no he'll This is fantastic. He'll, he'll hate it because he can't smoke any cigarettes because of <laughs> the The pack of cigarettes and go, this is perfect. This will keep them all busy. Keep them all busy while I take over the world. That's his plan all along. You know that, right? Uh, next one is about as equally as pointless but great and cute and all that good jazz is Kaiju Girls. Kaiju Girls Ultra Kaiju Gijinka, Gijinka Kaikaku. And that one was streaming on Crunchyroll for 12 episodes. Uh, it was done by Studio Puyukai. I think I made a joke about Fuyukai last time, so I'm not going to make a joke again. Uh, the original is, is a short, uh, original, uh, is a comedy parody fantasy show. And parody definitely puts. The, the the thumb on it and it's basically about uh if you've ever watched kaiju shows or just the monster like you know godzilla type stuff from japan they have tons of these little monsters that fought godzilla and stuff like that moth things and all that kind of stuff this is basically a show where all of those are like reinc- or their their spirit has been placed into little girls who then are called kaiju girls who can then join an organization that will allow them to control that power by like giving them an app girl. Like giving them an app. It's a magical girl. <laughs> and if they don't have this app, they can become a berserking kaiju girl that will run rampant, which needs to be stopped by the kaiju girls that are in control themselves. And so it basically follows three girls, Aki, Winchan, and Miku, who join this organization and learn to and get their app and learn how to control their their inner kaiju. And then possibly look into what they're gonna do in the future, like become an television uh or become a battler that uh, battles on television or just cleaning the streets stuff like that and uh it can explores other ones that are kind of around them that have already mastered their abilities and the evil dark that is and make us want figures of these characters yeah you see that that was was a couple of them that popped up there and i really wanted to buy them but i was like no 
Don't get into another one of these things. It's like Kankali. Don't get into Kankali. I learned that. Don't get into Kankali. There's a ton of them, and you're never going to afford them all. <laughs> Don't get into Kaiju Girls, because you're never going to afford them all. Um, but yeah, it was cute. I, I liked, I liked uh, especially like Miku and her fang and and Wind Chan, even though she was a Fajoshi, she wasn't that bad. And and Aki and her struggles, but it was just cute girls doing cute things. It's very chibi sized. It's kind of something in the ve- same vein as something like uh, ReZero Petite, if you watch that, or the Overlord Petite ones. They're small, chibi sized, and they just kind of run amok. It's very simple and fun in in concept. I think that if they were to actually get serious about this show, I think it could be interesting. Um, because like, like I said, the idea of a Godzilla ish type Moe Godzilla, just say it. it, Yeah. Moe Godzilla (laughs) is very interesting to me and I really want to see this. (laughs) They're fantastic art designs or character designs. And I would love to see that. I mean, when they do the transformation, it, it changes from the chibi forms to they're showing them in actual full size and they're, you know, just putting on their outfits and then they go back to being chibi size. And it's like, capture that and then make that into a full-length show about them fighting a uh, bad kaiju or something like that would be really really fun and interesting but you know you can't always get what you want <laughs> i mean i don't think that it has to be an extreme crazy show that that you know takes over the world but it, it could be an interesting concept for a show so yeah so yeah, on the same vein as animated training if, if, if that anything sounds interesting to you if you're looking for cute girls doing cute things as being kaiju that's there for you but uh and they make that's really ex- all and they do it. actually make the kaiju roar sounds <laughs> that was great <laughs> they play off a lot of the jokes inside there too so it's it's pretty awesome but yeah that's that's it that's that's the last one was kaiju girls that's all we have for the day again we have four segments of this so get ready for like i don't know 20 so more shows for us to talk about even though we said in the beginning that we're going to really do many shows we end up watching a bunch of shows and and so it we're is gonna technically christmas tomorrow yeah yeah so merry christmas merry or christmas. happy holidays whatever you celebrate there you go just thought i'd say that you probably throw that in there i'll be i'll be editing a podcast the night before christmas and all to the house not a creature was stirring Our except for andrew's there. mouse in the and this, this podcast and Our mom's in there making pie right now I get some Christmas food going on, yeah. So yeah, hope you guys have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and all that good stuff. And we'll be back again the next week with some more reviews. Again, you can find us at TakuSpirit.com. You can go there for our news reviews and coverage of Noodle Night Anime, as well as our wonderful community in the form links at the top, social media links on the right side, and all that good stuff. And we thank you all for listening, and we hope you all enjoyed, and you all take care. Os. Do you see the light ahead? Do you see the light ahead? you face the night ahead? So far away, so far away, shining rain forever, so far away, arising.